then. Children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're here. Ah. Welcome to my nightmare. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Kill you all. You don't know what death is. We belong there. Here's Johnny. <laughs> I shot him six times. Only a butt. Free for your life. <laughs> 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 to a new world of parts and monsters. Hello everyone, welcome to Pods and Monsters. My name is Robert, and with me, like always, is the lovely Inthea. Hello. How are you, Inthea? I'm okay, you know. (laughs) Just one day at a time, but we are Pods and Monsters. Uh, If you're new to our podcast, we are a monster movie podcast where we talk about universal (laughs) monster movies and other horror movies. Where we'll go through them and then we'll talk about some fun facts. That's right. We are not obligated to just Universal, but everything. Yeah, that's true. But we are every other movie is a Universal. Yeah, pretty much. Horror movie. And I know we didn't acknowledge it on the podcast, but in April, we had our one year anniversary of Pods and Monsters. Yes, one year of Pods and Monsters, and we're so happy that you have been able to join us for that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, the audience. (laughs) Well, tonight we are going to be talking about a film from 1992, uh, so it's a more recent horror picture, and that is called Candyman. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman? Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. Candyman. You don't have to believe. Just beware. Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cover it in chocolate and a miracle or two? The Candyman. The Candyman can. Who can take the sunshine, <laughs> sprinkle it with rain? <laughs> the Candyman can, and it makes it feel good. And makes the world taste good. <laughs> Candyman, starring Gene Wilder. And <laughs> <laughs> no, every time we mention Candyman, we like to break into the Willy Wonka song entitled Candyman. But I don't know the words, and I will never learn the words. I love Willy Wonka, but today we're actually going to be talking about a different Candyman, and that is Tony Todd playing Candyman Mm -hmm. in this 1992 film produced by Universal and TriStar. Mm -hmm. Had you previously seen Candyman, Anthea? Yes. Did you have an opinion on it beforehand? 
Uh, I remember enjoying it. I remember it being around as a movie that would play on the television. Uh-huh. And I think I really sat down and watched it a few years ago. And I knew that it was a Clive Barker movie based on one of his, like, novellas. I had totally forgotten about that. Oh, really? Yeah. I went to uh, when FangoCon existed. I think I went to all but maybe like the first three FangoCon. I didn't go to like the super early ones, but Uh I did go to a lot. Mm, I think all of the ones that were based at Burbank Marriott. Anywho, long-winded story. But he did a panel that I sat in and he talked about his um, short stories. And so that's when I really found out about Candyman a little bit. So, um, Inthea? Yes, sir. Let's talk about Candyman. So, um, as you mentioned, this is a Universal and TriStar Pictures movie. And I love the logo for TriStar. With the horse? Yeah. I think I've always enjoyed the TriStar one. Um, The music is my favorite. (laughs) It reminds me of Monster Squad. Oh, no. Not for me. What does it remind you of? What's your favorite TriStar picture? Oh, I don't know. Just the 80s in general, it reminds me of. Yeah. So we have some really ominous music. And I'll say that the music for this movie is really, really good. Yeah. The music is by Philip Glass, who is more known as a classical composer doing concerts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Not so much a movie composer, but he scored this movie. And it's very classical with organs. and. Yeah. It's just, it's really, it's very haunting and very beautiful. So we come in immediately with this music and we find out that this is based on a Clive Barker story called The Forbidden. We're panning over this city following just like traffic and whatnot and eventually we get to it turns into like a beehive just a bunch of bees together and we get this voiceover from a very like dark booming voice And the voiceover just kind of sets the tone for it. And these bees then erupt out of the city um, and they kind of just like engulf the city. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I just want to mention that the voiceover, later we do find out that it is Candyman speaking Mm -hmm. and it's Tony Todd. Tony Todd has such an incredible foreboding voice. He does. He's really good as Candyman. The best part being his voice. Yeah. And yeah, I do like this shot of the city skyline with bees taking it all over. We fade to Helen, who's played by Virginia Madsen. And she's being told a story about a babysitter. So we get this story and we we visually see the story also. So we see the storyteller and we go into the story. And it's talking about the legend of Candyman and how he has a hook for a hand. So now we're seeing this other story inside of this story of this uh, young gal who's a babysitter who does not look like she's a teenager or even in college, but that's no. fine. Ted Raimi shows up. Yeah, our good friend Ted Raimi. What else did we watch with him recently? Um, he was in The Grudge. That's yes, what it was. he was. But he's supposed to be like a bad boy. But I think he's wearing yeah. chinos and and, <laughs> uh, and a leather jacket. A very generic bad boy leather jacket. Yeah. Anywho, his name is 
Billy, I believe. Billy. And so uh, she takes him upstairs in the bathroom and tells him about Candyman. And if you are in a bathroom or you're looking in a mirror, it doesn't have to be in a bathroom. You say Candyman five times and then turn out the light. Candyman shows up and murders you. They only say it like four times and she sends Billy downstairs. He only says it four times and she says it five times. Uh-huh. He leaves. She turns out the light and Candyman shows up. Candyman. She turned out the lights. Yeah, it's very scary how he shows up. It almost looks like a Pepper's ghost effect. Yeah. Uh, which would mean if it were, in fact, a Pepper's ghost effect, it would have all been done through camera. Mm-hmm. Meaning no visual effects or special CGI effects. Uh, Pepper's ghost effect is basically taking the reflection of someone and making them sort of ethereal and and ghost-like. Mm-hmm. It's what they do in the Haunted Mansion with their ghosts. Basically, you have a plate of glass and their reflection is projected onto the glass. Yeah. So this would have been a practical effect. Correct. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> So she gets murdered. We find out that the child that she was babysitting also gets murdered. Billy, however, does not. um, And his hair turns white from seeing all of this. We don't see his hair turn white. We hear about it. Yeah, we hear about it. It's always very, very grisly when Candyman does murder. I believe at this point we don't see him murder her, but we do see blood coming through the ceiling. Correct. That's all we see. Uh, he appears and then you see the blood dripping from the ceiling, which would mean it's so gory. It's soaking through the floor yep. down to the next level. Yeah, that's crazy. We are now with Helen and we meet Bernadette, who is interviewing another person. We come to find out that they are two women working on a thesis project. I don't know. I'm not a scholar. Yeah, thesis. Um, <laughs> and uh, they are working at this university and they're interviewing all of these students about these urban legends that they've heard yeah um we then follow helen to a classroom which is modern urban folklore which is taught by a gentleman named travis trevor yeah trevor played by xander berkeley Xander Berkeley. I like Xander Berkeley. Most of the time, he's such a bad guy. He is. He, he's a double crosser. He's always a double crosser. The only time I've ever, obviously, I haven't seen every Xander Berkeley picture, mm-hmm. but he usually ends up being a slithery type of guy, a, a snake. You can't you ever trust him. He's not trustworthy, which is weird because I think the first role that I saw him in that I do not remember for the life of me right now. He was, and I was like, this guy's a good guy. And um, everything that I've seen of his since. Well, I will say, one of the roles I know him best from, he starts as a slithery, snake-like guy, but ends up being a good guy, and that's 24. That's what I'm thinking of. That has to be what I'm thinking of. But then, like, was he also in... Air Force One. Yeah, there we go. I was like, clear in prison danger? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But he was a double-crosser in Air Force One, right? Yeah. Mm, Spoiler. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And he also has a nice little role in Terminator 2. Uh-huh. Double crosser? He's just a douchey father. Remember, he says, John, get back into the house. Trying to make his kid get back in the house. Oh, Come on. How dare he? <laughs> Listen <laughs> to your mother. Kids need to be outside. And you know what his name was in that? What? She's not my mother, Todd. 
You didn't have to say it that way. <laughs> That's how he says it. I didn't know that John Connor was played by Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> not my mother, Todd. It's not for sale, Francis. <laughs> no, we have to say it again. But wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's taught by Trevor. And he is talking to these kids about um, different things that we might have heard about that it never directly happens to anyone. It's always a friend of a friend who experiences this. So he also brings up that urban legends usually come out of a subconscious fear in society. We end up meeting also a girl, Stacy, and she clearly has a more personal relationship with Trevor. Yeah. And then Helen comes down uh, and she sees this. Yeah. It's obvious that Xander Berkeley is a little bit closer with this student. And she kind of gives Helen, you know, the eye and Ellen questions it. She seems intimidated by Helen and nervous. Um, and Helen does call him out on it. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's just a student. But Helen is so perfect. Why would she cheat? I know. Or why would he cheat on her? I'm telling you, the guy is a... He's a Lasser Tilly and Lugaroo. So Helen and Trevor have a talk about Stacy. Then we find out that Helen is upset because she did catch this little part of the class where he is talking about urban legends. And they had agreed previously that he was going to wait until she and Bernadette were finished interviewing the freshmen about their stories. Yeah, because again, they're doing their thesis on these urban legends and they don't want his lecture to influence their study. Yeah. And it already goes to show you that you can't trust him. He's already not keeping his word. He, yes. There's just something about him that he definitely is just thinking of himself. Yeah. Now we're with Helen and she is in a classroom in an office and she is transcribing the interview that she had about the Candyman. Mm -hmm. And a cleaning lady comes in and overhears this interview. She then ends up pretty much just telling Helen about her another cleaning lady named Kitty and that she knows someone who was murdered by him in the projects. We end up finding out the story of Ruthie Jean from Kitty. She ends up telling Helen that Ruthie Jean heard someone crashing through her walls and called 911 a few times, but uh, the operators and the police didn't believe her. And by the time the police did show up to help her, she was murdered. Yeah. Uh, Helen then asks if she was shot, which I think is very interesting. And you can see that the women are very much like, okay, that's, I understand it's in the projects, but you immediately go to her being shot by someone. Right. And um, Kitty says, no, it was with a hook. She was killed with a hook. It's true. Candyman killed her. This is already kind of getting into the class and racial issues of the movie. Yes. And it's sort of, the movie isn't strictly about those issues, but it's peppered throughout so well. Mm -hmm. And it is very interesting that a few times they mentioned that when things go wrong in the projects, the police can't even help them. Yeah. I mean, the police don't want to help them. They're yeah. not priorities. Yeah. So um, we find out also that Ruthie Jean lives in this building called Cabrini Green. Uh, don't you love that name, Cabrini Green? It's really good, Cabrini Green. It's I mean, a real place. It is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, these projects are real projects that were outside of Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been torn down since, uh -huh. but 
it was a really scary place. Mm-hmm. Filming was tough to do because of how dangerous it was. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Helen goes to do some research. And it's my favorite, microfiche. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a bunch of newspapers and uh, she finds the Ruthie Jean article. She's now going to show Bernadette what she's found out and um, Bernadette doesn't think that it's a Candyman story she also dismisses it as just violence in the projects yeah um Helen shows her in her research that she found out that Cabrini Green is a sister building to the building that she currently lives in and goes to show her why the buildings are separate even though they were built by the same company Helen's building was originally built as a building for the projects in the exact same fashion but when they found out that the train tracks or the river there's, um, there's something in between where the projects are and where this building is and when they realized that kind of separates where the projects are they turned her building into a fancy luxurious condo, condo. yeah because yeah, they wanted to pretty much segregate the city and make sure that people living in the project stayed in that area right. and there was a clear divide just, yes between these neighborhoods and this um, setting up another like class and social divide in the city she then goes to show bernadette the layout of the apartment and how shoddily put together it is which i think is really great that we get this all established here in her apartment yeah um she takes her to the bathroom and shows her that the medicine cabinet actually just pops off and there's a false wall behind it that she can push down and the apartment next to her is actually vacant so when they're able to push that in they're able to see into the apartment across the way yeah and i wonder how many apartments are like that now like thankfully (laughs) we don't have a medicine cabinet but if we did i'd be like i'm gonna push that thing in and see if we can see into our neighbor's apartment every once in a while when i'm in the main bathroom or even our other bathroom yeah i look at the mirrors and i'm like how do i know that it's just not a giant hole on the other <laughs> side or something i don't yeah. know i have like a moment anywho so they're investigating the bathroom and she's just kind of showing her the overall layout of her apartment and letting her know that the walls are concrete and then they just put drywall in front of that but these are it's the same apartment the women are in the bathroom and they also talk about Candyman and decide to say the Candyman's name five times Candyman 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 Candyman. Helen says it five times, but girl, Bernadette, she does not. She does not say it five times. I wouldn't chance it either. I wouldn't mind saying it just like out in the open, but I wouldn't do it and look into a mirror. No, I don't say anything into a mirror five times. (laughs) I (laughs) I did do Bloody Mary once. (gasps) Robert. It's scary. I won't do that either. I won't do anything. I just, I won't say anyone's name five times into anything or multiple times. Even I don't like repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> so later that night, we creep on a, a sleeping Helen and we get our first jump scare. Oh, actually, I like our second jump scare of the movie, but a pretty major one. Yeah, it's really, it really gets you. <laughs> it does. It's not the biggest jump scare of the movie, but no. it's scary. <laughs> It's from Trevor, who's jumping on her because he's drunk. Trevor. Ugh, the worst. The next day, we are following a little red car with Our Ladies Helen and Bernadette. 
and Bernadette is concerned that they're going to the projects. She says that they look like cops. She also brought some weapons of her own, which I believe are like mace and whatnot. Yeah. But um, by mace, we mean a swinging ball with spikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she brought chains. <laughs> She's a woman of practicality. Yes. Uh, so no, I'm just kidding. It's the spray. Um. So she's very much reminding Helen that these are very dangerous neighborhoods and they are two women that very much stick out in these neighborhoods, especially with the way that they're dressed and Helen being white. Bernadette is not, I believe she's biracial, but they still stick out um, and they just simply do not look like they belong. So they drive up to the building and Helen ends up playing a little bit of like some reverse psychology on Bernadette talking about if she would rather the men have this and what would they do in this situation? And she says, well, the men would run. She's like, well, we're not the men. We're going to go. Yeah. So Bernadette reluctantly agrees. Uh, they make it down there and they get out and walk into the building. They're instantly catcalled. And then they start getting harassed by these gentlemen that are standing outside. Yeah. Just a bunch of teenagers doing whatever they're doing. Some drug deals, some loitering just standing around whatever um and they ask them if they are police the women say no but the men don't trust the way that they look so they go ahead and they warn the rest of the building that these women are in yeah i like the way that they warn them they whistle and alert everyone that there's 5-0 coming up the stairs yep so everyone's on their they're minding their p's and q's yeah i guess they are on alert yeah. They take the stairs up and Helen is just taking a bunch of photos of all of the tagging and the graffiti that is in the stairwell or in the hallways. They make their way up to Ruthie Jean's apartment or onto her floor. A woman opens the door and has this giant dog to scare them off. Her name we find out later is Anne Marie. They end up going to Ruthie Jean's apartment and the layout is identical to helen's yeah this apartment though is trashed inside Um, yeah no one lives there anymore because you know based on the story we heard Mm -hmm. there was a brutal murder here the apartment has been vacant since but it looks like people go in there to hang out probably do drugs i would assume spray paint the whole thing yeah it's definitely not been kept up or anything helen goes straight for the bathroom and she finds the false wall behind the medicine cabinet Bernadette keeps warning Helen, who of course wants to go and investigate. Helen's crawling around and just taking pictures of everything. At one point, she ends up going through a hole. And when she turns around and looks at that hole, it is the face of a black man and she's crawled through his mouth. It's a very yeah. interesting I really like that. Mural. Like, I really think the graffiti looks neat in this movie. Yeah. She tries to take a photo of this mural and finds out that she has run out of film. She also finds a stash of candy on the floor and the candy has razors in it. Yeah. And I don't know if this really plays into Candyman himself because they don't really go beyond that. Oh, I think it's the fake Candyman. I think it has to do with him. Could be. But also just a weird urban legend lore thing yeah, that is such an urban legend 
on Halloween, you know, kids getting candy and razor blades being inside of it. And that's why parents always have to check the candy first. Yeah. Now we get another jump scare and our poor little friend Bernadette ends up getting scared by Helen, who jumps back through the little hole in the wall where the medicine cabinet was. Bernadette! Sorry. Anne-Marie's dog and her walk into the apartment and she tells them that they do not belong there. Hey, what y'all doing in there? And she wants to know why they're around. But her baby starts crying, so she takes them back to her apartment. Well, they follow her back to her apartment. Yeah, but she leaves the door open for them. Yeah. So they go in and we see her lovely little apartment. The building, it almost looks like a prison from the outside. And even the hallways, it's very... As you said, it's very concrete, no paint, no color, nothing. Mm -mm. But yeah, when you go in this apartment, it's very homey and lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's a very cozy apartment. The colors are completely different in this apartment, or as you're saying, it's gray on the outside. And then you go into Anne-Marie's apartment and her, it's pink, there's creams. It just seems like a lovely little home that she's built for herself and her son, who we find out his name is Anthony. And he's just a few months old. Baby Anthony. You know, little Anthony, baby Anthony. She introduces herself to the women. She asks what they're studying, what they're writing about. She also asks if they're there for Ruthie Jean and says that she heard everything and that she called 911 as well. So the death of Ruthie Jean wasn't that long ago then. Mm -mm. How long do you think it was? A couple years, maybe? Maybe if even that. Yeah. Enough for it to be on the microfiche. Yeah. I don't even think it was that that long, but I mean, maybe like a year or two. Yeah. She ends up saying that Candyman comes right through the walls and that the police will never be able to catch him. Yeah. I like how she's playing up how scared she is of Candyman and the legend of Candyman. Yes. Which this is the thing where it's like there is that where people believe and understand that he does exist. I'm scared. Scared for my child. They ain't never gonna catch him. Candyman. Now we're at dinner. And of course, it's a complete 180 from the situation that we were just in. It's Helen with Bernadette, Trevor, and two other men. One of them, I think, is called... Purcell, and he's this pompous man who um, they're having this very nice dinner day. Of course, it's the 90s, so everyone's smoking in the restaurant. <laughs> um, it's a low lighting, might be a fancy steakhouse, might be a French, uh, Italian, French, who knows. What do you think they ordered? I don't know, some steak, some escargots, chicken marsala. <laughs> so we end up finding out about this from this Purcell person who is just kind of like trying to figure out and dig at the ladies and see what it is that they're working on. Yeah. Uh, I I assume he's another professor at the university mm -hmm. and he himself, I guess, had done a thesis or, or wrote a book or something about these legends. Yes. But we find out that there's definitely like a conflict between him and the ladies Mm -hmm. where they don't want to give him any information, Yeah, but they do bring up that they were at, well, they say Cabrini Green. Yeah, and they say that their paper is going to throw all of his stuff out of the water. Yeah. Actually, Purcell, we're about to bury you. So Bernadette gives away that they were at Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. Candyman country. We find out that Purcell wrote a paper on Candyman 10 years ago. And we get this awesome backstory told by this pompous jerk 
at dinner. <laughs> Let me tell you something, ladies. So we find out that um, that is not the way he sounded, by the way. I know. I don't know why. I'm trying to do a pompous voice. Um, we find out that Candyman was um, the son of a slave and that this legend started in the 1890s. His father invented a device for the mass production of shoes during the Civil War. Candyman, which I believe we never get his actual name, because of this money that his father had, was able to become part of higher society and became a painter. He was hired to paint the daughter of a man also of higher stature. So he went to go paint his daughter and they ended up falling in love. She was then pregnant by him. The father was not having any of this. And so he hired men to hunt and kill Candyman. Not just men, hooligans. Hooligans. Um, He was chased to Cabrini Green. And there they sawed off his hand with a rusty saw, uh-huh. I guess is what the description was. And while he was screaming and crying while this was happening, no one came to help him. He was then covered in honey. There was like a beehivery <laughs> right next door. And they went over there, smashed all the hives, grabbed that honey coated him in honey and then he was stung to death by all of these bees yeah and what's also great about this scene when they're giving this backstory is you get sounds in the background of this incident happening yes Candyman was stung to death by the bees it burnt his body on a giant pyre and then scattered his ashes over cabrini green yeah, the, we do hear all of these sounds and we get this like close up of Helen's face as she's just absorbing all of this. And she kind of goes into like sort of a trance. She's definitely mesmerized by this story. Now we're back with Helen and she has gone back to the building to go take photos. She also goes to visit Anne-Marie who isn't home, but there's a little boy sitting outside who Anne-Marie has spoken to him about Helen, um, and his name is Jake. I like this kid. He's a good actor. I do too. This kid is great. He's very knowledgeable uh, for how tiny he is. He's like a tiny, he's a wise child, (laughs) basically. I like when she's trying to get out of him what he knows about the legend of Candyman, and he says that he can't say nothing or Candyman will get me. Yep. I can't say nothing. A candy man, a get me. He also says that he doesn't know about Ruthie Jean, even though he he does have an understanding of what's happening. He says that she's crazy to be here alone, which is so many different ways to take that, that she's this woman that does not belong in this area and she's doing this alone. It is a dangerous area. And then she's also going around looking into Candyman. He ends up mentioning, I believe, um, knowing where Candyman is. And she ends up convincing him to show her where Candyman is. Yeah, again, basically, she uses reverse psychology saying, you know, if he's too scared, then don't do it. Yeah, and this little boy is having none of that. They end up going by this giant pile of wood, um, which we find out is going to be for a bonfire for a party later on. Yeah. Um, He then takes her to this public restroom area and we get another flashback story that is also a story about Candyman. This one, though, 
I think doesn't really match with Candyman, but I guess matches a little bit later. It tells her about a little boy who was out shopping across the street with his mom, had to go to the bathroom. So she sent him by himself to that restroom where he was attacked by Candyman. I don't think that he ever said the name and he had his um, little, he had his thing cut off. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because they don't specifically say it, but basically the kid... They, no, the kid said... I mean, he doesn't well, say, like... Well, the kid says he was holding himself, and yeah. then Helen says, like, did he die? And he says, no, it was worse. And then so you put two and two together that Candyman or whatever it was took his wiener. Yeah, but um, I mean, we also see it because he's on the ground. Yeah. And there's blood everywhere. Yeah, a horrific tale. And then when they show the clips, there's like so much blood everywhere. There is. And also the people that are wearing the clothing of everyone in the scene is the 70s. Uh-huh. But then we come to find out later it was like a year ago. It's weird. Or was it? I don't know. I think they mentioned it and I was like, this makes no sense. But I just was like, that's fine. I can keep going. Helen, of course, being herself, goes in to check it out. We go into this disgusting bathroom and we see just these toilets that are completely vandalized and exploded and then we see a bunch of writing on the wall in some sort of i don't even know what it is is it poop yeah you thought it was doo-doo but was it brown it's brown and red so it's like poop and blood it's just something not fun and it was it wasn't spray painted it was definitely like yeah you could see the the texture yeah um (laughs) so it says like sweets Sweets to the sweet. Sweets to the sweet. And then it leads to the last stall. And then there's like an arrow pointing down into this toilet. And then she opens this toilet and the toilet is full of bees. Yeah. Outside, our BFF Jake is waiting. And um, this trench-coated person shows up behind him. And when he turns around and looks at them... Jake says Candyman at the man. But of course he's like mesmerized, transfixed. I don't know. It's just in a weird way where it's this acknowledgement of this person. Candyman. We're back with Helen in the bathroom and in walks these young men, these boys. They walk into the bathroom and the one wearing the coat walks in and he's a young man and he has a hook. He ends up talking to her just like a second or two. And she's like, I'm just going to go. And he ends up hitting her over the head with the hook. And these boys beat her up. Yeah, he reveals himself to be the candy man. And then he hits her. Yeah. I hear you looking for candy man, bitch. Well, you found him. Let me ask you. Huh? So yes, sir. we have this guy who's claiming to be the Candyman. Yes. Which obviously we know it's not the real Candyman. Uh-huh. But a copycat, a real person. Okay, sure. Do you think he's the one that attacked the boy in the bathroom? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's the one that attacked the boy. But why would he have been the one to set up the bees in the toilet? That's a little weird. I wouldn't be surprised though if that if that actually does play into the actual Candyman. Yeah. Now we're in a lineup at the police station and we see Helen's face and she has a bruised eye. She's able to identify the boy. Well, I like in the lineup, they all, <laughs> they have them all repeating the line that this guy said to Helen, yeah. mm-hmm. which was, I hear you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because... <laughs> they all try to say it like as stone-faced as possible because... Yeah, the least threatening way. They're just monotone. Yeah. Just bloop. The police say that he 
murdered Ruthie and the boy, which is where, here's where we get that weird little timeline of the boy that we had heard the story of in the bathroom. Yeah. But I mean, this guy can't be more than like 22. So it's just whatever. On her way out, she sees Jake and he feels betrayed by Helen because she told him that she wasn't going to tell on him that this was just going to be between them um, and that she wasn't going to bring any of the police to the projects. He says now that she's betrayed him, that Candyman is going to get him. She ends up telling him that Candyman isn't real. And this is where Jake pretty much stops believing in Candyman. Yeah, she basically says a great line, which I love, that he's basically like Frankenstein or Dracula. Candyman isn't real. He's just a story, you know, like Dracula or, or, or Frankenstein. So now some time has passed and we're with Helen. Her black eye is healed up. She just has a a few bruises on her face still, but overall her eyes are, her peepers are working. She is making dinner for Trevor and he is very distant at this dinner. But you can see how much she loves him, but he's just, she's too good for him. She's That's right. Good. The next day or sometime later, Helen is talking to Bernadette. She's back at the university and makes a comment to Bernadette that she's just annoyed and upset that two people were murdered at Cabrini Green, but the authorities did nothing. Nothing happened. But this white lady, which is her, shows up and is assaulted and they... They instantly arrest the guy. Earlier, she talked to a detective that we saw and he said that they had... I started from the top of the building and searched the entire complex from top to bottom and they locked it down because of this had happened to her. But they didn't do any of those things when the two other people who were black people were murdered at all. Bernadette does give her a little bit of good news and tells her that she was able to salvage the photos that Helen had thought were completely lost. It turns out that the boys had smashed her camera as well. All of these photos are slides. They end up going through the parking lot and Helen is transfixed looking at all the different slides as she's walking to her car. They end up separating because she goes to her car, Bernadette goes to her car, and we see a pair of feet walking in this parking lot. We then hear this voice, which is the voice of Tony Todd, and he says her name. Helen. Again, he has such a great voice, and it's just this whisper, but it's so loud. It's like, Helen. (laughs) It's a lot of reverb. Of course, what would a horror movie be without someone saying something to this effect? Uh, But she says, who is that? (laughs) She looks around. You should never say who's there. Don't you watch scary movies? It's a death wish. She might as well just come out here to investigate a strange noise or something. Um, we see a man standing across the structure in this on the same floor, and we start getting flashes of the mural that she had walked through of the yeah, which, of the guy's head, which is Candyman's head. Yes, and he says that he has come for her, and we get this close up push into her face, and she is very much in a trance looking at him. He says that she's doubted him and didn't believe the stories. And now he wants her to be his victim. Be my victim. She doesn't believe, so now he has to shed the blood of innocent people. 
Uh, so this is really great. This is amazing. Or it's a really great introduction to Candyman, like fully seeing him. Yeah. Um, and the music is very interesting also, because again, the music here is very, I think it's very lovely, very intense. Our friend Helen wakes up in a bathroom. She's on the floor of the bathroom and she is covered in blood. Well, I like when she wakes up, the first thing she does is check to see if she's cut anywhere. Yeah. Because she doesn't know whose blood it is. Nope. And she's drenched in blood. She opens the door and we see Anne-Marie's dog's head on the ground. More blood. Yeah. Head and no body. Yeah, no body. Of course, there's a knife near this head and we hear Anne-Marie wailing somewhere in the same space. For some reason, our friend has a habit throughout this movie of just picking up any knife that's near her. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she picks up the knife. Anne-Marie is crying about Anthony, and we see her in her bedroom. It's not a knife. Isn't it like a... Cleaver. Like a cleaver, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a type of knife. I guess so. There's blood all in his little pack-and-play crib thing that he has. And Anne-Marie turns around, sees Helen, and goes to attack her, saying that she killed her son. Helen fights off Anne-Marie and ends up uh, cleavering her arm. <laughs> Right yeah. as the police arrive. Yeah, she doesn't chop the arm off. No, she, she just, just goes gives a little slice to the yep. bicep or something. Yep, yep, yep. And of course, they're wrestling on the ground. So when the police open the door, she is... I she's, think she's standing above Anne-Marie holding that cleaver. I don't think she's standing. She's like kneeling right over. But yeah, yeah. cleaver in the air. In the worst possible position you want to be in. Yeah. So now she's at the police station and she's covered in blood and she's being processed for murder. She says that she keeps wanting to talk to Detective uh, Valento, I believe is his name. Not too sure. He shows up and tells her that he that she is under arrest. Ms. Lau, you're under arrest. Do you understand? She's yeah. Very confused. She doesn't remember getting there. She doesn't remember decapitating the dog. She doesn't remember any of these things. Uh, He tells her exactly what Anne-Marie told them. And they ask about Anthony. Where is he? I thought Anthony was dead. Anthony's not dead. So where's baby Anthony? She can't answer that question. Um, And finally, she gets her call that she can make. It's now 3 a.m. and she calls home because she would obviously call her husband. Yeah. Um, Her husband's not home. Yeah. You cut to the bedroom and the bed is made. No one's been sleeping. No, no one has been sleeping. So she's talking into the machine, the answering machine, asking Trevor, telling him where she is and that she needs his help. She's now in her cell and she has a vision of baby Anthony, the uh, Candyman hook and Anne-Marie ripping out her hair, wailing for her baby. Trevor finally shows up in the morning. She's released because they don't press any charges because they can't find the baby's body. Yeah. And she says to Trevor that she called last night and asked where he was. And you know what? He lied to her. He didn't lie to her. He said to her that he was sleeping. Yeah. He was not. There's also so many news reporters when they're walking out of the police station. And uh, we get a pretty half-assed news report on the television. She tells the lawyer and Trevor that she blacked out. And when she woke up, she was in the bathroom. I don't know what happened I just woke up in that place and there was blood everywhere. 
Sometime later, she's able to settle into the house um, and she goes to take a bath. Meanwhile, Trevor is getting ready to go to work. Super suspect. He says <laughs> he'll be back in 20 minutes. Yeah. Listen, if I'm suspected of murdering someone and I come home, I don't expect you to say, I got to go to work real fast. I'll be back in 20 minutes. I'd be pissed. Well, what's he going to do in 20 minutes anyway? Well, so he says that he's got to go. Helen uh, takes her time around the house and starts to kind of notice that he should be she should be back by now, I believe. But either way, whatever. She ends up looking at the slides that Bernadette had developed for her. She pauses on a reflection of herself in the mirror and finds that the Candyman is standing behind her, and she's very unsettled. Yeah, she had to redo the focus, and he yeah. comes into focus, and there he is. Yep, yep, yep. She then, of course, goes back into the bathroom she opens the cabinet medicine cabinet the medicine cabinet and um a hook pops out (laughs) and uh there's such a good jump scare of this hook busting through this this is the best jump scare of the movie in fact i'm still jumping from it (laughs) it's really good she runs out of the apartment and sees Candyman standing at the end of her hallway who says, believe in me, be my victim. Believe in me, be my victim. Then she tries to call the police as he tells her that he'll take her to the baby and if she refuses to come, he'll kill the baby. And then he goes on to tell her that her telling Jake that he doesn't exist is why he's there, um, why he's come up and why he needs to show her that he does exist. And he cuts her. He cuts her like on her on her neck. Yeah. Takes his little hooky hook and uh, just kind of stabby stabs, not stabs, kind of runs it across her neck. Unfortunately, her friend Bernadette showed up to check on her with a lovely bouquet, I believe. <laughs> and she's killed by Candyman when she walks into the apartment. Yeah, Helen is... She's weak, but she's trying her best to tell her not to come in because she knows what's waiting for her. Unfortunately, she doesn't hear Helen, so she walks in and Candyman gets her. And I think we just hear the murder. And it sounds so grisly Mm -hmm. just hearing. For some reason, every time Candyman kills someone, his sounds and the sound of the hook gutting someone just sounds so, so real and so squishy. Yeah. We get flashes as well during this. Trevor arrives and finds her on the floor and whenever Helen passes out and wakes up, she's holding a knife. The police arrive and we see Bernadette's body on the ground. Helen has been in the bedroom and she wakes up from blacking out during all of this and she gets arrested all over again. This time though, they have a body. They have Bernadette and Trevor saw her with the knife she keeps having flashes of cabrini green during all of this and the candy man is talking to her and trying to persuade her she also starts praying for baby anthony yeah she's taken to a psychiatric hospital and we get this really awesome scene with Candyman where at this point he's just really messing with her. She is strapped down to this bed and he shows up with his booming voice, his soothingly booming voice, telling her the same things over and over again. 
And then he's like floating above her and she's screaming murderer at him. And then he floats down to the ground and kind of zips under her bed. And he's asking her for a kiss. Allow me at least a kiss. Just one exquisite kiss. (laughs) And uh, she's just like, she's losing her mind. And she's, but she, she can't do anything. She's restrained and no one believes her. The orderlies come in and they subdue her. Yeah, and she's screaming that he's under the bed, but none of them will even look under the bed because they know that she's crazy. Now we're back at Cabrini Green and we're in the walls of the... Well, it's going through Ruthie's apartment, through the medicine cabinet, into the area where the whole Candyman setup is. Yeah, the mural. um, We're going to... Should we call it his lair? We'll call it his lair. Sure. Candyman's lair. And we see a very much alive baby Anthony. And he's being tended to by Candyman. Yeah, he's being fed. He is. Well, is he? He just sticks his finger, his little fingy in his mouth. <laughs> well, I think he he gets food on his finger or something first. Is that what he? he does? I don't know. I know he offered his hook at one point. <laughs> like, would you like to play with his little hook? Would you like a shish kebab? <laughs> So now we're back at the hospital with Helen and she ends up going to see a doctor named Dr. Burke, who has been hired by her attorney to help her pretty much plead insanity, probably, or something like that. Um, We find out that she's been in the hospital for a month. She thought it was the next day. And so did we. So did we. (laughs) We find out that she's been charged with murder, first degree murder, and he asks her what happened. He shows her the video of what we saw her experience with Candyman floating above her. And at no point is Candyman there. It's just her screaming into the air. Yeah. So now we know for sure she's the only one that can see Candyman. Yeah. She says that she's not capable of killing, but she can prove Candyman is real. And um, she ends up turning to a mirror in this room and uh, says Candyman five times. Nothing happens immediately after, but I do love how this plays out where then Dr. Burke is just staring at her and like, oh, you are crazy. And boom, he gets killed by Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting there and a moment goes by and he just kind of leans forward and spits up blood and Candyman rises from above him and he has... From his, below him. He rises from below. Yes, he rises from <laughs> below him and he has his hook in his back and he's gutting him. Oh, it's just and, a little and again, squish, squish. Yeah, so much of it is the audio and you see Helen's reaction. Yeah. He says to her that she is his now. You're mine now. And that his congregation will believe in him again. And then he has this whole elaborate plan about another mural for them to remember him by and that they will not forget what they're going to do. He cuts her restraints and breaks the window. He pretty much just jumps out of this window, but he breaks this window that she, so that she can leave through this. Well, he flies backwards through the window. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of a weird shot. Like I, I, I didn't see it because I was taking notes. <laughs> I want to do it frame by frame and see if I see wires because it looks like there's wires, but like I don't he was know pulled for sure. Through the window? Yeah, he's basically just pulled backwards through the window. 
And that gives her her opportunity to escape. Yeah. So now she's able to shimmy out that window, pound on another window where an unsuspecting nurse opens it. And she's able to subdue this nurse and grab her nursing uniform. She runs out and runs back home and she's hoping to find Trevor. But when she gets into the apartment, she sees that it's being repainted this horrid shade of pink. And we hear someone painting. And who is it? It's Stacy. God. I do really like Stacy's reaction where this girl was already uncomfortable around Helen. And this is truly a child. She goes from being somewhat polite, acknowledging, because Helen tells her to get out of her home. Stacy turns around, looks at her, smiles, and then starts to just have a breakdown, knowing that this woman who was charged with murder is now in her house, which is very bizarre to me that Trevor would even consider. If I had a friend who was murdered in my home, I'd be like, I need to leave now. I wouldn't paint it bubblegum pink. (laughs) Speaking of Trevor, Trevor shows up. He's wearing a bathroom and he's talking to his little new sweetie pie, Stacy. But then he sees that Helen is there and he's also freaked out by that as well. What's the matter, Trevor? Scared of something. They end up having some conversation. He says that he should call the hospital. She tells him that she's not a murderer. And then he tries to get to the phone. It's a little bit of a standoff. She's having a whole moment trying to figure out what's happening. But she actually does seem really crazy now. Well, yeah, of course. Um, Because if we didn't know what she was going through and we were in their shoes, meaning Xander Berkeley and the other girl, Stacy. Yeah, she would just seem like she's insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. And she's definitely having a breakdown where her best friend is gone. Her husband has moved on without her. She's alone. And then anyone that gets near her at all ends up getting murdered by Candyman. So uh, she ends up leaving as Trevor calls the police. And we get this voiceover by Candyman talking to her as she's standing over this bridge, saying they will all abandon you. And all she has left is his desire for her. So he's like, come to me, is what we want. They will all abandon you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so she goes to Cabrini Green. She finds Ruthie's apartment and follows her visions through the passageway and into Candyman's lair. Goes through the walls and we end up seeing a mural. And this is a different mural painted in a different style than all of the other tagging and graffiti that's all around. Yeah, well, the stuff, the tagging and the graffiti that's all around seems like it's probably people in Candyman's congregation or the the people that live at Cabrini Green. And this is probably something that Candyman himself painted. Yeah, oh yeah. It's a good point. Thank you. I forgot that he was a painter. I honestly forgot that he was a painter. (laughs) It's like the first thing we learn about him. So we end up seeing this mural and it is the legend of Candyman. So we end up seeing him being chased and him having his arm cut off. Yeah. She finds here a sleeping Candyman. He's taking a little, little, little nappy nap. And why does a ghost need to take a nap? I don't know. Or it's a trap. (laughs) Um... She earlier had found her own hook and had this hook with her. Um, And she ends up stabbing him as he wakes up. She says that she's come in to cash in the deal with the baby. Um, And he tells her to surrender to him. Surrender to me now. And so she will to save the child. Yes, she's there to save this kid. The only thing that she has left is saving this child. So we get this very dramatic scene of him kissing her 
and he has like a crap ton of bees that are coming out of his body. They're yeah. coming out of his mouth, opens up his the little flappy flap on his coat, and it's his rib cage full of bees. Yep. So many bees. These bees are falling out of his mouth and onto her. And they yeah, and they kiss and it's they passionate. Do, and a and bee kiss. She struggles, um, but then she's unconscious. The baby gets taken at this point. As she's unconscious. She wakes up and she's no longer covered in bees. And she finds another hook. There's just so many hooks and knives in this. Well, when we went into his apartment, it was covered in a bunch of hooks and candles and stuff. Yeah. So she's walking through the lair and finds words on the wall that says, It was always you, Helen. And looking at these letters, she ends up seeing more of the mural and sees herself painted in the mural. She's in the mural. She was. So she is his love. She's the woman that he was murdered for back in 1890 or whatever it was around that time. So is she a reincarnated person? Is that what they're saying? I don't know. I don't know. She hears the baby crying and looks through the windows and sees that the crying is coming from the wood pile yeah, that we'd seen earlier. Where they're going to do the bonfire. She goes out there and she ends up climbing it, looking for the baby. And in the process, wakes up our BFF, Jake. So she has this hook that she's using as leverage to go through this pile and get in there. Of course, our BFF, Jake, looks over and just sees the hook and says, Candyman's back. He rallies the troops he because does. now it's time to have their bonfire because they're going to kill Candyman. Yeah. These little boys are prepared. They got gasoline. They've got matches. They've got torches. They're going to burn this down. All of Cabrini Green then ends up showing up to see them burn this pile and they are chanting burn him. Meanwhile, Helen is inside of this pile and finds the baby. And Candyman shows up to her and tells her to let go. And she attacks him trying to escape. So he wants her to die in this wood pile. Does not care at all about this child. And he wants her to die so that they both become this legend of Cabrini Green. And it reinforces the congregation's belief in Candyman. She is able to get away from Candyman with the baby and crawls out of the wood pile in front of all of these people. Her hair is on fire. She's yeah. partially on fire. Yeah. Well, did you say she stabbed Candyman also? No, I did not. Yeah, she stabbed Candyman with the hook. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she went to save the baby and everything is on fire. Yep. As you said, she crawls out ablaze. There's fire all over the back of her head and on her back. All that. And yeah. she's just... She has the baby safe and she's reaching out to give the baby to Anne Marie. The whole time Candyman is yelling for her to come back. He is. He is yelling at her or yelling for her. The people are able to put her out and we see that she's lost all her hair. But the baby is safe um, and now back with his mom. Candyman, though, is burned and Jake sees Candyman. Does he? Yeah. I believe he looks into the pile and you see... Candyman's body and then a bunch of bees erupt out of the fire and we find out that Helen has died and we see her funeral we see her in her casket she's got this crown of flowers around her head and no one is at the funeral except for Trevor Stacy that guy Purnell Purcell I don't remember his yeah. name is and then the priest who is presiding over this funeral yeah 
as they're going to leave, there is a whole line of people that come through and it's the residents of Cabrini Green here to pay their their respects. respects. It's such a great moment. It really is. They are all showing up because she did save this baby. Our BFF Jake now he has a hook, but it's actually Candyman's hook. Yeah, that Candyman's he has. actual hook. Yeah. He got it from the pit. Yes, the pit. Or the the bonfire pit. Bon- it's not a pit, though. Well, I call it a pit. Okay. He ends up dropping that on top of her casket and walks away with Anne-Marie and her son. Trevor is all messed up, and we see him in his bathroom pretty much hiding from Stacy. She's wearing a shirt, but Why? It's a very (laughs) revealing shirt. Yeah, it's basically a see-through shirt. But it's a shirt of youth. The youth wear those kind of shirts. Actually, you know what? Lots of people wear those kind of shirts. He's thinking back to the last meal that she made for him, which is what we saw earlier in the movie. She had made a beautiful meal for them, even made like a cute little trifle. Maybe chicken marsala. It's, um... (laughs) All sitting on the counter. Meanwhile, Stacy is in this horrible kitchen that's Pepto-Bismol pink, has this giant piece of meat that she's just slapping around the counter, trying to get him out of the bathroom, and he's just not leaving. I said that she's aggressively cutting meat, because she truly is. He then looks into the mirror for some reason and decides that he's going to say Helen's name five times. Well, he's not deciding that he's going to say Helen's name five times and hope she appears or anything, but he's basically looking in the mirror and just having a moment to himself that he's thinking about her, and he's just saying, Helen, Helen. Like, he's just mourning her but, but it turns from being from a mourning thing of saying maybe helen two times in a despondent way to saying helen in a very deliberate almost diabolical way by the maybe, end of it and maybe he realizes at that point oh, maybe <laughs> if i just try it one more time helen then he turns out the bathroom lights i really really love this ending so much our good girl helen shows up in the bathroom she has no hair She's wearing like a white gown thing, like a nightgown. I don't even know. Is it what she was buried in? It must Probably. be what she was buried in. And uh, I think she says like, seen a ghost? Or do you look like you've seen a ghost? Something she says, like what's the matter, Trevor? Scared of something? Okay. What's the matter, Trevor? Scared of something. And then she kills him with the hook. Yeah. So she looks really scary here. Um, She's got a burnt head. Yeah. Now we see we're back in the lair and added to the mural is a mural of Helen and she is rising out of the bonfire um, and has a crown of flowers and her hair is on fire and she looks like a saint almost. And we get this dramatic music and the credits start rolling over it as it closes up on her face. Yeah. And And that is the end. Yeah. She will live to be immortal like Candyman. Yep. Now she is the new saint of Cabrini Green, which I think now means that Cabrini Green is good. Like, she's protecting them because she protected this child. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I guess you could look at it like that. Uh, that, I don't think she's out there killing the kids of Cabrini Green. I mean, that would make more sense to me because I was going to say, I don't know if the ending makes so much sense for me, why she would appear like Candyman and basically take over his role of killing people. But if she's just maybe getting revenge on Trevor, maybe that's the case. And she is a protector for Cabrini Green. That would sit better with me. I mean, that would make, I think that makes more sense unless there was a sequel or something. Anywho, before we get into all this, that's the end of Candyman. (laughs) Candyman, who could make the sun shine, sprinkle it with dew. (laughs) 
the Candyman can, because he mixes it with love and makes the world taste cool. <laughs> so Candyman, yeah. uh, did you like it? Yes. Yes, I like it too. I think this is my second time seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it would make sense to me more if she does now take care of the people of Cabrini Green, and maybe she just came back for revenge on Trevor, but we don't know because I think in the sequel, she's not part of it. There's a sequel? You never knew there were other movies? No. Yeah, well, since you didn't even know that, maybe I'll tell you some other fun facts and whatnot. Land on me. <laughs> Candyman, here we go. Candyman, 1992. So we talked a little about it at the beginning. This is based on a story written by Clive Barker called The Forbidden. Uh And Clive Barker, a very famous horror author, most famous for Hellraiser, I'd probably say, and those series of pictures. I've never been a big Clive Barker fan. Uh Um, I'm not a big Hellraiser fan. It's just a little bit too out there for me, I think. I don't like the visual style so much of other Clive Barker movies, but I do like this one. I think for me, Clive Barker airs more on the side of grotesque, and I can't deal with that sometimes. So, you know, the original story, it didn't take place in Illinois or in America, as a matter of fact, and it didn't have the real-world perspective that we see in the movie version. In the book, it's a fictional British housing project Mm -hmm. called Bob's Corner, not Cabrini Green. Okay. And it takes place in the late 70s. Uh Uh-huh. In that one, Candyman wasn't even black. It was a white man with an unnatural shade of yellow and a red beard. Oh. So all of the the things with the projects outside of Chicago was added in by the new director and screenwriter. And his name is Bernard Rose. He wrote and directed it. Mm-hmm. When Bernard Rose was putting this movie together, he was doing research on murders and things like that. And through his research, he found out that there were a series of murders that happened where an intruder entered through the mirror in the medicine cabinet. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, apartments really had that where you where it's just a, a, a false wall. I can't. Oh, I'm so hot right now. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. You want to knock on our on our bathroom mirror? No, because sure. what if it is hollow? I'll never be able to sleep. Oh. We have to move. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Playing Helen Lyle, we have Virginia Madsen. I think she's great in this picture. Oh, she's great. She's I, I really like Helen a lot. She was also in Sideways, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. Um, I wasn't crazy about Sideways when I saw it, but I don't know Virginia Madsen that well, but I think she's great in this. I remember I, every time I see her in this, I always think that's Gillian Anderson. Oh, they but, do have a very similar look, and they have wonderful heads of hair. Yeah. But I just, um, I feel like in the 90s, she really thrived with erotic thrillers. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> But in terms of horror movies, uh, she was also in The Prophecy. She was in Dune. Oh. And most recently, she was in that Swamp Thing TV show. Oh. Which looked pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Originally, when they were going to make this movie, it was going to be more like the original story and take place in England. And when it was still that story, she auditioned and I think got the part to play Bernadette. Oh. 
once the story moved to Chicago, they gave her the lead part, and then they wanted to have a black actress as uh, Bernadette. Okay. For the Candyman scenes, where she sort of seems entranced by him, she actually was really hypnotized in real life to perform those scenes to get her to really show that she is under his thrall. And man, oh man, you love that word, don't you? I do. <laughs> I don't say it that often, only when it comes up. <laughs> but she started to become uncomfortable with that process. So, yeah, I would too. So eventually she ended it and just pretended to be under his thrall. I mean, she's an actress, so act <laughs> like it. Yeah. Got, that sounds so mean to me. I mean, so mean <laughs> that I said that, but is she not the sister of Michael Madsen? Michael Madsen. <laughs> I don't know, is she? You have a computer in front of you. She is the sister of Michael Madsen. Yeah. So obviously working on this movie, you have to work with bees. Uh Uh-huh. Virginia Madsen has a little story about her experience with the bees. She says, when director Bernie was first asking me to do the role, I said, well, I can't. I'm allergic to bees. He said, no, you're not allergic to bees. You're just afraid. So I had to go to UCLA to get tested because he didn't believe me. I was tested for every kind of venom. I was far more allergic to wasps. So he said, well, we'll just have paramedics there. It'll be fine. You know, actors will do anything for a paycheck. So fine. I'll be covered with bees. So we had a bee wrangler, and he pretty much told us you can't freak out around the bees or be nervous or swat at them. It would just aggravate them. They used baby bees on me. Babies? Yeah. They could still sting you, but are less likely. When they put the bees on me, it was crazy because they have fur. It felt like little Q-tips roaming all around me. Oh my gosh. Then you have the pheromones on you, so they're all in love with you when they think that you're a giant queen. (laughs) (laughs) I really just had to go into this zen sort of place, and the takes were very short. What took the longest was getting the bees off of us. They had this tiny bee vacuum, which wouldn't harm the bees. After the scene where the bees were all over my face and my head, it took Tony Todd and I 45 minutes just to get the bees off. That's when it became difficult to sit still. It was cool, though. I felt like a total badass doing it. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about... The Candyman himself, Tony Todd. You know, the Candyman's name is actually Daniel Robitaille. R-O-B-I-T-A-I-L-L-E. All right. However you pronounce that. Sure. Uh, He did a ton of horror movies. He's most famous for Candyman. In fact, he says it's his favorite role he's played. But in terms of horror, we also know him as playing the lead in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The Ben character. He's also at season three of the Scream television show on MTV, where he wields a hook. Oh, does he? Yeah. And we also know him from Final Destination as the foreboding voice of Final Destination. (laughs) His voice is just so magical. Yeah. You know who was considered for this role before Tony Todd? Who? Eddie Murphy. Wow, that would have been a very different movie. So I told you there's some sequels. In fact, there's a trilogy. There are three Candyman movies. And over the course of the trilogy, Tony Todd was stung by bees 23 times. Oh my gosh. Oh, baby bees? Baby bees. Uh, They used baby bees because not only were they less likely to sting, but if they did, it wouldn't hurt as much. Uh But 
also there's a short moment where they used bees that were only a week old because by that point they're big enough to almost pass for regular sized bees but their stingers haven't developed yet just a couple of working bees (laughs) trying to make a living but you know he was stung 23 times and he made twenty three thousand dollars off of that because he negotiated a deal where he would receive a thousand dollars for every bee sting good for him um (laughs) were any of them in his mouth I don't think he got stung in the mouth, as far as I know. Mm. But he, he he wore like a special plate in his mouth so the bees don't go down his throat. Yeah. Xander Berkeley plays Trevor Lyle. We mentioned that he's also in Terminator 2, Air Force 1, and 24. <laughs> uh, in Terminator 2, he, you know, they show his dead body in this movie, and he looks like the dead body in Terminator 2 also. <laughs> he always gets killed, and he's always a bad guy. Yep. Lacey Lemons plays Bernadette Walsh. She also plays a similar role in Silence of the Lambs, where she's the best friend of Jodie Foster. Yeah, yep, yep. Vanessa Williams plays Anne-Marie McCoy. I don't know much about her, except that she reprises the role in the new Candyman movie. That, yeah, I'm seeing that. That is slated to come out. I believe I know her from Melrose Place. Dewan Guy plays Jake, and this was his first movie. He was such a good little kid actor i think they nicknamed him one take jake oh really yeah he's so good so again this was filmed in the real projects of chicago cabrini green a real place Mm -hmm. and the crew had to make a deal with gang leaders that they would be cast in the movie as extras so the film crew could have protection during the shoots wow so in the background you're seeing the real residents of cabrini green oh wow There wasn't really anything too dangerous, but on the last day, a production van was shot at by a sniper. So, you know, Ruthie, the person that died in the uh, Mm -hmm. apartment. Ruthie Jean. Ruthie Jean. So there was a real person named Ruthie McCoy, which is funny because Anne Marie's last name is McCoy. Mm -hmm. But Ruthie McCoy was a real person who was murdered in 1987 in another housing project in Chicago called Chicago's Abbott Housing Project. And that is where that real story comes in. She was killed by an intruder who entered through a medicine cabinet. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I honestly had forgotten about the medicine cabinet situation until right now. (laughs) Until you you reminded me. (laughs) So to make the hook for the movie, the studio hired a real blacksmith to make a hook. Mm -hmm. He made it for them and it looked great. But then he refused to sell it to them when he found out what this movie was about because he was a devout Christian and didn't want it to be used for violence or anything like that. I mean, if anyone's asking you to make them a hook. (laughs) there's. I guess it could have been like uh, Captain Hook or something. Sure. (laughs) But uh, so I guess... Just swinging them at children. So they had to get a hook from somewhere else. So you know that great jump scare scene of the hook coming out of the medicine cabinet? Yes. Apparently, Virginia Madsen didn't know that was going to happen, and she really Uh, screamed and ran off the set. That's so good. (laughs) I mentioned about the bees that were being bred for this movie. The bees. Yeah. Uh, They weren't a week old. They're actually 12 hours old. Yes, that would make them big enough to look like full-grown bees. Wow. Wow. Yeah, apparently they grow fast, I guess. So, you know, Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd, before filming this movie, they took ballroom dancing classes together so they could have more of a romantic connection in their big scene. Okay. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music of the movie. Remember I told you it was done by Philip Glass, who didn't really compose a lot of movies, I think. 
He was disappointed in this film. He thought it was going to be an artful piece, but ended up being more of a low-budget slasher movie, in his opinion. What? But he scored it as something more artistic, in his mind. So he thinks it doesn't really match so well, but I think it does a good job. I think it does a really good job. I would almost agree with him, but it actually does the movie a really great service because it fits more of the backstory and the horror of the backstory bringing it into the present day yeah that's true so you know back then in 1992 they were worried about how the racism would be shown in the film and and how people would react to it Mm -hmm. and according to the director this is what he had to say He said, I had to go and have a whole set of meetings with the NAACP because the producers were so worried. And what they said to me when they read the script was, why are we even having this meeting? You know, this is just good fun. Their argument was, why shouldn't a black actor be a ghost? Why shouldn't a black actor play Freddy Krueger or Hannibal Lecter? If you're saying that they can't be, it's really perverse. This is a horror movie. And according to Virginia Madsen, she said, I was and am now worried about how people will respond. I don't think Spike Lee will like this film. Mm -hmm. So based on that, you could see there were lots of people that were worried about it. But the NAACP was all for it, it seemed like. It makes sense. Like, why can't yeah, exactly. a person of color be these things? In 2011, that's when the Cabrini Green housing projects were demolished. Mm-hmm. Currently gone. Again, this movie uh, was the first of a trilogy. The sequel was called Candyman Farewell to Flesh, released in 1995. Okay. And then there was a third one that was straight to video called Candyman Day of the Dead in 1999. And now there is a sort of reboot movie. I don't think it's not a remake, but I think it's a continuation, but with a new story and all that. Okay. Uh, because we know Anne Marie's back for it. I don't know when this movie is coming out because of the coronavirus. It was supposed to come out the week that this episode airs. Mm-hmm. But now, yeah, I don't know when it's been pushed back till. But, yeah, we don't have any updates on that. But the remake is produced by Jordan Peele, and I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, me too. <gasps> The lead in this movie is Baby Anthony. No, it's not. The lead in this movie is called Anthony McCoy. Oh, I thought you meant the same actor. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Baby Anthony. Man, I'm super excited to see this movie. Yeah. Don't look too much up. You're going to spoil it for yourself. Okay, I'm going to this whole movie for myself. But oh, oh, I hope it comes out. I hope we get to see it. Yeah, well, we'll, later. we'll see it eventually but uh that's the little story of Candyman. who could take the sunshine <laughs> sprinkle it with bees who can take a sunrise sprinkle it with dew all right anthea where can everyone find us <laughs> Um, you can find us at podsandmonsters.com on the interwebs. On Twitter and Facebook, we are at Pods and Monsters. And on Instagram, we're at Pods and Monsters Podcast. We will be updating our episode list pretty soon. So you'll be able to see what we have planned for the rest of the year. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to email us at podsandmonsters at gmail.com. Oh, also, I guess... If you have any time and would love to leave us a review on the iTunes, 
please, please, please do so. Please rate and review us. It really helps us get out there and get seen. And also just having some commentary if people want to give our little podcast a listen. Um, and if you don't want to do that, it's totally fine. Please feel free to share us on all the social media platforms. We appreciate it. For Pods of Monsters, I'm Robert. I'm Inthia. And we hope you have a swell day. Goodbye. Goodbye. Cause the candy man thinks it should. Candy man? Oh, we're not going to do that. Mm-mm. We're not? No. I'm not. You go ahead and do it. Goodbye. What? what? <laughs> <laughs>